You're listening to the Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt, from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. I'm TJ Jeskowitz from Ragbri. So this is the podcast where we talk about bicycles just for the fun of it. There's going to be tales from bicycling across the nation. We're going to be joined by guests each week to talk about the social side of cycling. Come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. All right. So here we are, episode 47 of the Jisco Bike Podcast, wrapping up it's, the, it's the, the first, end of the year. Yeah, it's the first day of winter today, too, isn't it? It's te- yeah, technically it is, I guess. It feels like winter, or it's getting closer to feeling like winter. We don't have <laughs> any why white I've, stuff. That's why I've come down with this cold. It's my sultry podcast voice. Oh, okay. I was wondering if this yeah. was the Barry White podcast or, or <laughs> Mark White has a cold. Okay, that explains it. Well, right. we're we're right. in Christmas week, which is uh, kind of neat because you know people are just running around, um, you know, just doing all their last minute shopping and and you know all kinds of buzz. And I I've got my shopping done, so I actually you know maybe can get out on a bike and you know no one's out on the on the trails or in the roads or you know off roading or anything like that. Or not too many people are out there, so uh, it's a great time to get out and ride, especially before that that snow starts flying around yeah. here. You've been out much, Mark? You know, not a uh, not a bunch. This cold has kind of got me down, and and uh, we've been all over the place, so it's been a little tougher for me. Plus, they took the trail out between my work and and home. Um, oh no! It's <laughs> next summer. It's going to be gorgeous. Don't get me wrong here, but um, yeah, they're doing a little mm. construction in that area. So, and and the alternate way to go up the street. Um, they're doing construction on the street too. So I'm, I'm really kind of landlocked for the time being, but, um, I'm sure it'll clean up here after a month or so. And, and once it freezes down, they'll open things back up. Okay. So just yeah. gotta look at the big picture, right? Not, yep. not the short term picture. All right. 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 Well, cool. What you've been keeping busy. What's going on in your world? You know, we're starting, this is my busy time of year and I don't think people understand that they think summer is bicycling for us. And that's, that's when things get busy. Although we don't really have a slow time, but winter is definitely our busy time. So not only do we have the expo and our education conference called the Iowa Bike Summit coming up, uh, People for Bikes Draft coming up. We're also starting the legislative session here in just a few weeks. It starts January 8th is when they'll, they'll uh, gavel into session. And uh, that's uh, that's when our, our go time is for our change lanes to pass bill. Mm, okay. Yeah, we've we've had a lot of meetings so far with legislators and trying to get that effort um, uh, well sealed up and see if we can we can make that happen this this session. Um, today, this morning, we actually did a webinar um, with the University of Iowa Injury Prevention Center and the College of Public Health. Um, about our strategy to uh, end fatal bike crashes. Um, and one of the cool things is, well, it's not cool, but it, it was really touching. Um, uh, Colleen Hansen came in, and she's the mother of Sylvia Hansen, who was killed in a bike crash just two months ago sure. uh, over in Wilton. And uh, her message was really powerful. She says, it's not the bicyclist that, that's blamed. They were doing everything right. Um, it's, it's like a, a whole bunch of other tragedies that have happened. You really can't blame the victim here. You really need to uh, look at how do we prevent these things. And, sure. and, uh, we need the people, uh, to all pay attention to when they're driving. So it was a really powerful message and, and, uh, I'm really lucky in my job. I get a, I get to be present when those things happen because 
that's what we're doing is we want to make things safe and we want to make things fun and and uh want to make sure everybody gets a chance to go out and ride yeah, and if I recall, her daughter was about 19, riding to work, I believe, um, north yeah. of Wilton. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's quite quite the tragedy. I mean, anytime there's a, a you know a fatality on a, on a bicycle is a tragedy, but you yeah. know to to lose a 19 year old, you know, full of, full of life, looking forward to that, and you know, I, I mean that that just hurts even more. So. Um, and the tough part is that, you know, uh, Sylvia biked to work because she had to. She, her family said, um, you've struggled with learning disabilities over your, your life, and uh, we don't want you to get a driver's license because we don't want you to be able to injure somebody else. And, and so sure. she was doing the right thing. And so not all of us are that 50-year-old white male in spandex. And sure. uh, that's, that's the important thing to keep in mind is, is that, and we talk about this a lot in the show, that bicycling is a much wider group uh, than just the people out riding centuries. So we'll keep working on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, in this, this month alone, I mean, we've, we've come across, I mean, just look at the different forms of transportation across the country from the Amtrak crash, um, you know, over in Washington, um, you know, a bus tragedy over in Western Iowa. Um, you know, th- things that you would think are, you know, fairly safe types of transportation. So it's not just, just, you know, cyclists out there that are, um, you know, having, having to deal with, with tragedy on the roadway. So I think, mm-hmm. I think it's not just, it's not a bike issue. It's, it's definitely a transportation issue. Anything that's, that's on the roads. I mean, everyone should be working together to make sure that those roadways are safe for all users. And yeah. You know, just because someone rides a bike, you know, doesn't make them any less of a of a user than someone driving a car down the road. Yeah, and there's no silver bullet to this either. There's a lot of strategies that need to be implemented. Everything from paved shoulders and bike lanes to change lanes to pass laws to education to work with law enforcement and county attorneys. I mean, this is a wide, comprehensive plan that we have that we need to uh, to implement. Um, but, uh, there's a few steps we need to take and this is, this is one of them. So that's the work we do and, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep at it. Cool. And, uh, I know we're also working on, you know, obviously the, the third or fourth week of January is a big week for, for all of us. We have the Iowa bike summit. We have the Iowa bike expo. We have the draft and the rat announcement party. How are those are there still vending opportunities for the Iowa Bike Expo? I know we were getting pretty close to f- to selling that out again this year. Uh, barely bend- vending opportunities. We have twenty five spots left open. Actually, twenty four spots left open, okay. and uh, and we have about twenty six people that were in last year. Um, so you know, it's it's going to be a different. Uh, different group we've added a bunch of new faces and names and i think that's going to make some things exciting we'll get people in that's that's no problem but uh the sooner the better very cool and how about tickets for the route announcement party tickets still available absolutely available tickets are in tables are going like crazy um which is is exciting to see um if you go to iowabicyclecoalition.org slash route announcement um that'll take you to the page where you can purchase tickets for the the round announcement. We're we're excited. I know Kathy um, is working really hard on putting together an awesome silent auction. I think it's going to okay. be going to be one of the top events that we're going to see. So very okay. excited. And if you're there live, you also get to see Mark White in a bow tie, and that and that is a feature that I'm I'm guessing doesn't come around every day. 
Oh man, I'm committed to the bow tie now. All right, yeah, I'll, well, I'll have to well, do some shopping. How many years have you, you know, sported the bow tie, Mark? I think is every one of them. Every yeah. one, and this is nine. Yeah. Is that crazy? This is is it nine? nine? Wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, I was going through the notes. I'm like, I think this is number nine. Crazy. Heidi and I talked how about that. Flies. She's like, she's like, you know, we were at this uh, little thing with Gary Fisher and came up with this crazy idea to make this bigger, <laughs> and you guys have so. Yeah. 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 It's exciting. So you talked you talked to Heidi this week. What did you guys talk about? Mostly about her adventure on the climate ride in the in the Pacific Northwest. You know, Heidi and I have known each other a long time. She was actually on the Iowa Bicycle Coalition board. A really great person and well known throughout the Des Moines area. So it was great to catch up with her. But she had so much fun on this ride and and raised like ten thousand dollars for the iowa natural heritage foundation oh, awesome. so that was really well done and, and i was excited to see that so her story is great and i can't wait to uh to hear more from it well good well that's with heidi soliday you probably remember that name she was obviously very involved in kcci sports caster there for many many years um been cycling for for a long long time so hey let's get to that interview that mark did with heidi soliday hey this is mark wyatt here with the just go bike podcast i'm here with uh, heidi soliday she's uh was known as a uh, sportscaster in the des moines area uh but she's also pretty famous for uh for bicycling heidi welcome Hey, thanks, Mark. I'm uh, glad to be here. Yeah. So it, give me your background. What's what's your street cred for the bicycling world? The bicycling world, where the first thing I should say is um, we uh, kind of co- cohorted, if that's the word, uh-huh. uh, when I was on the Iowa Bicycle Coalition some time ago. Yeah. And in the early in the early stages, I remember when the when the banquet was kind of a, a smaller smaller thing um and and there was talk of having the excuse me i got a little cold going uh the dot and the the little event that you have prior to the banquet um that's that seems like that's grown really big and also the rag brand announcement party has really gotten huge we've kind of known each other before in the advocacy world but for just for me i've been um well basically biking since i was a student at the university of iowa I didn't have a driver's license until I was 19 or 20, so I rode my bike everywhere. And I've done I've done biking events all over the United States, whether it's multi-day rides or centuries or rag bri or whatever, and um, to support the sport. Um, yeah. Not to, to steal a phrase from uh, Bike World or Fitness Sport to whoever says that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so you you were actually my boss at one point, and which was which was pretty cool. And and yeah, you're right. We've we've kind of we've grown that organization thanks to your help at the at the very humble beginnings. And I think we're we're doing a great job. Yes, very much so. But you've been able to use your bike for some really cool stuff too. Um, so tell me Correct. tell me about the event you participated in. Well, as you said, I've done some. Uh, biking events where you have to raise money um, uh-huh. for team and training with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. I, I've done, I think, three events for that on my bike. But most recently, I uh, 
through biking. I met a man who had served on the board of Climate Ride, and he encouraged me to get involved in this organization, which is um, celebrating its 10th year in 2018. Mm -hmm. What Climate Ride is is a a group of uh, people who uh, participate in some events. There's 10 for the 10th anniversary in 2018, but um, they're smaller groups. They're led by Climate Ride staffers, and um, the the crux of it is to um, not just ride your bike in places in the United States or Canada or at Bhutan is one place they're going this year, but to, um, in the process, learn about things that one can do or help organizations do in um, in, in achieving sustainability, active transportation, and just all in all becoming more of a green, friendly world. And um, so the ride that I did in last summer in August was Climate Ride Pacific Northwest, and we rode um, in the San Juan Islands, which is a archipelago of 172 islands that's north of Seattle. Oh, cool. For those that aren't familiar, it's in the, the Puget Sound. And uh, we, uh, there was five days of riding, and in order to do this ride, which was limited to 60 participants, mm-hmm. you had to raise $3,000. Um, I chose to uh, dive in big and, and, and raise $10,000. And everybody who, everybody who does this, they pick a nonprofit. And okay. so the beneficiaries of all, all these um, participants are usually smaller nonprofits that that are trying something like what I just said regarding sustainability, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's in a, in a nutshell. So without me just going on and on, I'll let you um, speak to Mark. I apologize no, for going no. on, but it's a, pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. So, yeah, no, I, this story is really interesting. And, and I've been up in that area. I went to a, a conference on Bainbridge Island, which is over by, by Seattle. Oh, yes, cool, very cool. So it, you know how gorgeous that area is. It looks like the set of Jurassic Park, doesn't it? <laughs> somewhat, yeah, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I mean, it's just really lush and, and a lot of vegetation in it. And, and it's a lot of vegetation, yeah. Beautiful. Um, any, any wildlife? You see any sea lions or anything like that while you were up there? Well, there were some places where where we rode, like points on the little islands where you could um, do whale watching or you know watch and see. We we were I wasn't able to see any whales the particular day we we rode there. But riding the 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 thing that was interesting about um, this this particular climate ride event, it's probably logistically the toughest one that they organized because we had to take ferries to islands and so we had to transport our bikes to these different places where we rode or stayed and um because of that you know you're kind of waiting it's like flying in a plane like Uh you might have to wait a while before the ferry gets there and you might have to wait um before it takes off but um the the ability to see all this beautiful landscape is just a portion of why this ride was so cool. And Mark, before we, we maybe talk about some other things, I think I want to say this, like whenever you raise money for a ride, you know, you have the the issue of people that you would approach to donate. Um, it's like, well, why, why would we want to give money for you to go off on your merry way and ride a bike mm-hmm. and have like a paid vacation? The thing about Climate Ride that's really cool is most of their events 
our the, the participants camp, and the I, I want to say that fifty five percent, maybe up to sixty percent of what you raise goes directly to the beneficiary. It doesn't go for like tons of overhead and everything. A climate right tries to keep the cost down because they truly believe in their mantra, which is pedal your bike, power the movement. Mm-hmm. And so they, they don't have a lot of staff. I visited their staff offices in Missoula, Montana, which, by the way, are really close to adventure cycling <laughs> um, offices. And there's there's like three people in the office. They, they don't waste a lot of money on office space and, and staff. And the staff that come with you on these rides, they prepare your meals. They're, they're very, very good meals, but they're not lavish. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to stay in a hotel, which um, in this particular one you can, but you're, it's up to you. You don't get any break on the hotel or anything. And, and that's not included in the money that you have to raise for this. So it's, I, I think it's really good. And so my, my, uh, beneficiary this year was the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. Great group. And I was really, really glad to be able to raise money for them because I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. What the INHF did before I even started putting word out, would you like to donate? They researched into what um, Climate Ride was all about and they had to give their approval. Likewise, Climate Ride looks into the beneficiaries that are presented as possible recipients of, of the money that's raised, uh-huh. and if they see anything fishy, they don't include it. Sure. But the INHF was the very first beneficiary from the state of Iowa ever to, to um, be a part of Climate Right, and I thought that was kind of cool, too. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I'm blabbing, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, great organization, and we've we've partnered with them on a lot of issues, and I know the good work they're doing at land preservation in Iowa and, and the conservation issues that they tackle. And that doesn't even count the amount of trail work that they do. I mean, they're, oh, yeah. they're an amazing And if you bike, you're going to be on trails, whether yeah. it's off-road or on, on the actual hard surface trails. And their team probably had a touch in the, into making that trail happen at one point or another. So they're, oh, yeah, they're yeah. just amazing. Um, so you, you talked a little bit about logistics, camping and, and such like that, but it sounds like you guys had dinners and dinner speakers and things like that. That sounded pretty awesome too, wasn't it? Yeah. And see, that's another thing. I mean, um, you know, most of your day was spent riding and the, the, the amount of mile, a lot of people, I talked to some different groups about this. People were curious about the number of miles you rode mm-hmm. or, um, how long the days were. The mileage was not as high as, say, on Ragbri. I think the most um, I particularly rode was around 70 miles, but I'd say the average was maybe like 45 to 50. Mm-hmm. It, and, and there was quite a bit of climbing on some of these days as well. I mean, we rode all over. We, we, rode, uh, we rode around Victoria, British Columbia, on um, Vancouver Island, and we also um, rode in the upper part of Olympic National Park. Uh-huh. And just were able to see a lot of, a lot of really interesting sites, but um, because of the fact that they're really interested in the climate, hence the name, and ways that we can help out, uh, they they have speakers on all these events, which last throughout the year, they, they have speakers come, because they don't want to waste any time, and so the speakers we listened to um, for the Pacific Northwest ride last summer were um, included uh, Mike Stevens, who was from the Nature Conservancy. Mm-hmm. He was in the Washington chapter. Um, uh, Professor Charles Green, who was from Cornell University, their Earth and Atmospheric Sciences mm-hmm. Department, he got a PhD in oceanography from the University of Washington, so he was out there. And then we also heard from uh, 
um, and this is sort of really current given what's ha- happening with the, the the government and and their um, the national monuments taking away some land from those. We heard from the uh, Northwest Regional Director of the National Park Conservation Association, and his wow. name was Rob Smith. So, um, and, and I also want to say this is this is kind of crazy. Um, Climate Ride, the name of the organization, right? So uh-huh. my husband and I drove out to Washington from Iowa, and we were driving through states that were um, enduring really large wildfires. Yeah. The smoke was so bad in, like, Montana that, you know, there was times when we were climbing a path that you couldn't barely see. It was like fog. Wow. And even, even as we came into the state of Washington, uh, some, some like the Columbia River Gorge, there was an outlook place. We stopped. You couldn't really see much because of the fires. And also, it was so hot in Seattle. It was, it was in the 90s. It was like 95, 96. The first couple of days we rode, it was just way hotter than usual. And so, unfortunately, it was sort of appropriate because we were doing climate ride. We were, we were experiencing the very thing that they're trying to help organizations fight, and that is um, way, how we can handle climate change and what's the way that we can slow it down or things, things of that effect. Wow. Wow. So you've got to witness it firsthand. That's... Oh yeah, that's really exciting, um, and and really kind of gives you that that touch of of what you're trying to impact. That's that's really cool. <laughs> yes. Everywhere we went, like uh, one of the days we were on, uh, let's see, we were it w- would have been when we were on San Juan Island, and they uh, they were uh, camping in a park, and uh, everywhere we went, where there was any kind of a park, the the fire danger was very high or high mm. on this little island, and uh, so that it, it was just like. Even though it was really pretty and everything was so hot and so dry, it was unusual. It never rained at all. And, of course, the reason they had the ride there in the, this time of year was like August 3rd to the 7th. Mm-hmm. That's the driest part of uh, the year for the northwest up there by Seattle. Oh, got it. So you're, you're like, wow, yippee, it doesn't, it's not going to rain on my ride, but... <laughs> yeah, but we didn't know it was going to be so... Hot. Yeah. It really was uh, pretty hot. Everybody was commenting on it, but um, nonetheless, it was it was it was it was a good uh, it was a really good event. In fact, so good that I'm I'm considering doing the this ride. I actually have my name down for the, uh, the Nova Scotia ride this year, which is in late September. However, I didn't decide to do it um, to just go for it until too late. They'd already filled up one, one mm. of the rides. They're only taking, I think 30 people. But, um, when I was thinking about who could I do as my beneficiary this time, Hey Mark, I even was thinking Iowa bicycle coalition would be a good beneficiary, wouldn't it? Hey, we, we always love extra support like that. And that's, you know, it's an amazing impact that you're doing. So, uh, uh don't, don't let me guilt you into it, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, but I, it just, it just occurred to me the other day, I was like, I was thinking, well, who could it be? Cause I wouldn't be the same one, uh-huh. but, um, it, it's just, you, you, this might sound kind of melodramatic or schmaltzy, but it truly does make you feel kind of proud when you're writing and you're with all these other people that most of them were young Mm -hmm. like in their 30s to say 40s um there were some older folks um i wasn't the oldest woman doing it i'm 64 but i was not the oldest woman riding but um all these people all over the the united states and some canadians 
um, that are all writing for different um, different places that are different nonprofits, and you kind of are really prideful of the fact that you're writing for something in Iowa because they don't really have a lot of events. I think they've had a couple of Midwest events, but mm-hmm. it's kind of they they're mainly on the coast. You know, like there's a Northern California ride, and mm-hmm. there's um, uh, there's a, a, a ride in a uh, was one in the in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and and how even the this whole thing started was back in 2007. The current executive director of Climate Right, Kaylee Quinn, she was writing in China with another gal, and um, and I, I might be misspeaking the exact information, but suffice to say that 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 they were these two ladies that were from Montana were kind of troubled by the way uh, population and 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 gasoline engines and everything were kind of taking over in China, and they could sort of see that thing kind of start happening in the United States, and they thought they, they ought to try getting people out to have active transportation and making it a really mm-hmm. big government-supported thing. So they had a rally that year, and they rode their bikes from New York to Washington, D.C., about 150 people rode, but it was just a group of people, and they were kind of like, wow, this is fun, let's do it again, or we need to call ourselves something or whatever, and so in 2008, they started calling, they, they organized Climate Ride, and it's wow. just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. This year, there was about 450 participants that either biked or hiked, and they, they went over 121,000 miles, and they um, all, it was about $765,000 in grant money was raised, which will be distributed. So in the 10 years that Climate Ride has existed, not including the monies that will be raised for this year, uh, they've raised about four million dollars for these nonprofits, like the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. Oh my goodness! So, uh, how much of the ride was you know um, kind of in touch with their mission? Um, I'm I'm sure there was recycling everywhere you turned around, but you know, did they try well, yeah, to lower you know, their, their carbon footprint I, and such? Yeah, I would say that uh, they were very mindful of not, you know, <laughs> not n- not leaving trash anywhere. Uh, there, they, they had cars, of course, but mo- uh, the, the amount of time they spent riding around was limited as much as possible mm-hmm. for where we, where they cooked meals and things. They, uh, dishes, of course, were reused. There wasn't much paper plate type stuff, things like that. Um, they encouraged everyone to bring their own water bottles. And I'm sorry, but I'm spacing off the name, but that you call those water bottles that are like metal or I don't know. They're not plastic, in other words. Oh, um, yeah. So that you really, you were you were you just using one thing for your water and not you know buying cool. water bottles all the time and throwing away plastic. Uh-huh. And the speakers, the, the big thing was these speakers were just really interesting, and you can just tell by sort of the energy that would be in the group during the nights when they had the speakers that people are really thinking about this stuff and it's almost like they're chopping at the bit to try and figure out ways to eliminate what's going down. Um, one of the one of the cool things, too, was one of the largest groups, they were from Los Angeles, Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition, I mm-hmm. believe was their name. Sure. And, and uh, um, they, they just got bike lanes put in in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think Beverly Hills and all these people with cars and stuff and and uh, but, but the concerns in California about being able to ride your bike and being being able to ride it safely 
right. and and uh, help out the whole environment are just the same concerns that are in small town Iowa, for example. You know, it, it, it's a universal desire to try and help out our our planet so that we can exist without ruining it. You know, and have have, have recreational fun and you know, fun, be able to do things for your work. Um, that aren't necessarily going to tear down your planet from a green mm-hmm. frame of mind, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, Heidi, uh, planning for next year, you're starting to look at rides. Is this a team sport? I mean, can you get some people from Iowa that can go out and, and join you on one well, of Well, um, you know, that what they do is they um, they have a friendly competition. Mm-hmm. They, they, really, they really are good at helping everybody um, get ideas of how to raise money. And so when you speak of a team, um, everybody's monies are raised individually, but it kind of helps if you, like, if you have some people you know that would be interested in doing a certain event, they would also have to raise that set amount that's been established for the event. But if you become a team, then um, they combine all that money together and compare it to other teams. So the Los Angeles bicycle coalition group that did pacific northwest ride i'm not sure exactly how many they had maybe 10 people Mm -hmm. but they raised a lot of money and uh the two the two leaders of that team were um a married couple named uh tish and greg lamely and they um raised over ten thousand dollars as well so their money was combined with everybody else's and and that that was kind of cool um i was honored enough to be able to be um sort of uh, pointed out at one of the dinners with the Langleys because we three had raised over $10,000 for our uh, prospective beneficiaries. And that was kind of cool, too, you know. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's a competition, but it's not really because it, it's all for the cause. We're all collectively, even though we're raising money for different nonprofits, collectively we are all climate-rided and we're all working for the same thing. Cool, cool. So when this gets rolling, uh, people can donate. I'm sure that you probably have a, a fundraising page set up or something at Climate Ride. Right, right. So for my when I did the Pacific Northwest Ride, um, climateride.org is the main information. If anybody wanted to look into it, it's climateride.org. And then if you were um, so inclined, I had a little website that was a, I don't know if they call it a microlink or what, but it was... Mm-hmm. Um, www.tiny.cc backslash Heidi Ride. And so if you clicked on that, then up comes my my information and what I was riding for and all that, and you can update it constantly, which I did. But if you go to climateride.org, they'll have a, a thing that says participants. or I mean, it's really self-explanatory. If you wanted to find somebody that you knew was doing this, you just go on and enter their name, and then you, you get to their page as well. So if I do this Nova Scotia ride, if I get in on the waiting list, um, I'll be raising $3,000, and um, all the information would be there, but I don't think I would even start doing the fundraising for that until after, well after the first of the year, mm-hmm. which that's what I did for the Pacific Northwest ride. Is I started in January, and by May, I had my $10,000. I mean, I was really pushing it. I was probably bugging the heck out of all my, <laughs> my friends, but, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Hell, I might have even sent you something, Mark. I don't know. I don't remember it, but I would be happy to donate. (laughs) I always love those things. 
Um, Heidi, great to hear about this, and I'm sure you're going to get in. I hope so, because we're all going to be peddling with you, and and the updates are going to be great. Hey, one last question we ask everybody that's a guest on this show. What's your favorite type of pie? My favorite type of pie? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny, because I was just talking about that with my husband and son. My favorite type of pie, I think, is pumpkin pie with whipped cream. Ooh. And I like it with I like it with walnuts. Oh. Now if I have to see a fruit, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably go with cherries. Okay. Cool. What was yours? You know, I, I'm a I'm an apple sort of guy, but I just got introduced after forty seven years to pecan pie. Never had it before. That stuff's the bomb. I could eat that forever. Wow. <laughs> I can't say that I, um, I don't know, maybe it's a guy thing. My husband loves pecan pie, but I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could eat it, but hey, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on the Jesco Bike Podcast. Hey, thanks for asking, and uh, see you down the road. Sounds good, Heidi. Thanks a lot. This is Andrea Parrott, and this is Parrot Talk. Uh, Before I get started with today's topic, I would like to say happy holidays to you, and um, happy new year, since I will not be squawking at you until January 2018. Um, Whether it be Hanukkah, Christmas, um, winter, solstice, it's a solstice, right? Anyway, December 21st when it becomes winter, um, or the new year, or none of the above, I hope you have a great end of your year. Uh, my family celebrates Christmas, and besides the the joy, the cheer, um, and all that other Christmas stuff, I'm looking forward to the most my mom's Christmas Yule log cake, which is like one of the highlights of my existence. Um, I have been unofficially banned from having like only food topics on my upcoming Parrot Talks because I talked about so much Thanksgiving food, so I'm going to move on to my topic of today, which is a poll that I did um, last week saying, pick your poison, hills, headwind, heat, humidity. Um, you know, it's kind of cold out. It's at this point in the year, it's kind of fun to think about all the suffering that we did during the summer. Um, it's a little bit farther removed at this point. Like, you know, all oh, that heat wasn't so bad. You know, I could really use some those 90 degree days. Like, how bad was that really? Um, guys, it was bad, but for me, I cannot stand headwinds and I would almost rather have any of the other three at all above headwinds. Although if I was pressed, I would say hills because I like to do hills. It keeps things more interesting. Um, and 55% of you agree with me. So yeah, yeah. Team hills. Um, 15% of people liked headwinds. 20% 20% of people didn't mind hill, the heat, sorry, 20% heat, and 10% of you lunatics picked humidity, which is crazy. Um, that is more than one person that picked humidity above anything else, which is just, um, you might need to talk to someone about that. So that got me thinking, um, what is really the worst for you as a cyclist? Um, how how does the human body perform in the heat and the humidity Um, with all the outside influences like headwinds and hills. 
Um, so I literally Googled heat headwinds, humidity, hills, cycling, and I came up with this really interesting scientific journal article. Um, and you can do the same. It'll pop right up. Um, it's from the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports. So let me tell you, this is very scientific. However, I am not. And this is just my interpretation of what I read from a very confusing and complicated article. Okay. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, do your own research, um, act based on what your own person is telling you when you are writing out in the heat. Don't overdo it. Okay. So at temperatures of about 95 degrees is when your body starts to say, I don't think so. And stops wanting to continue cycling. However, you can push it beyond that and quite a bit beyond that, actually, uh, depending on other outside factors. Um, At about the maximum would be approximately 105 degrees with 60% humidity. Now, there's a a couple other things that affect this, including hills and flat. For example, and it all has to do with how much can your body, how much sweat can your body evaporate off of it to um, cool your core temperature down. Um, So for example, um, if you are on a hill and you can maintain a fairly quick speed going up and down the hill like rolling hills, that will evaporate more sweat off of your body and it'll keep you cooler. If If you're on a flat and you can, there's a big headwind, that will also evaporate a lot more sweat off of you and you can ride at higher temperatures than 105 degrees. Everyone who rode Ragbri in 2012 going into Marshalltown will know that it is possible to ride at higher temperatures than 105 and higher humidity than 60% because it was like 112 that day and I don't know the humidity but it felt like you were like swimming in the ocean. It was like the most intense. Um, okay, there was a couple other times I can remember um, Rock Valley and I don't remember what year. Maybe 2011 I felt like I was like I had gills I mean there was a couple days in Rag Rai where it was really intense but if the wind is blowing you can evaporate that sweat and you can survive it and you can in fact thrive in it um, the article has mentioned something interesting in that people who bike slower overall um, have trouble evaporating more sweat which makes sense because the wind and the air isn't hitting your skin as quickly um, but if you ride high speeds, you get the evaporation, but you have more of a trouble um, getting oxygen in your arteries to like the different parts of your body because it just heats up and heats up and heats up and it won't, it doesn't, the process doesn't go as easily. Um, so anyway, I thought that was interesting that slow people and the fast people have different problems all stemming from heat. Um, but like I said... Um, at some point everyone tops out and you have to pay attention to your body at that point. Um, I mean, you're going to know where you're just like, I cannot handle this, but that point goes farther and farther up on the temperature scale, the more water you drink and the more hydrated you stay. So that's why when people say it's important to drink water and have your Gatorade or have your Propel or your noon tablets, which is my favorite, the noon tablets, um, you really, they really do extend your performance and they will keep you from getting, um, overheated, hyperthermia, uh, you know, just maxed out. Um, and the other interesting thing I saw was that, um, caffeine will help you. Something in caffeine that I didn't understand from the article, but it says caffeine 
will allow you to be out in one to two degree higher temperatures um, and be fine. So that's, you know, that kind of explains something because I really love the noon tablets that have the electrolytes and the caffeine in them. And I feel like they make me do better at workouts. Um, And so science backs me up. Also, they make you have feel more energetic. So, you know, I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, Okay, so then it says that it also said something really interesting, which I thought or something that I thought was really interesting, which is that um, heat can actually at some level can help benefit your performance because of um, the air density, something to do with how much heat causes the air to be less dense and your resistance to decrease while you're cycling. And this is that lower, more sea level elevations. We're not talking Colorado here. We're talking, I mean, Iowa isn't that elevated in the grand scheme of things. So it can help you in that way. So like maybe um, 80 degree type air temperature will help you in some way. Um, The main problem with all this overheating you know, if you can't sweat enough and you cannot stay cool enough, the main problem is your brain heating up. Because if your brain heats up too much, it essentially cooks. And obviously that's not a good thing. So when you're out there in the excessive heat, be sure to pay attention to how hot your freaking head is. You know, try to go into the air conditioning once in a while, dip your head in ice once in a while, um, pour water over your head once in a while, just to add some level of more evaporation and cooling and paying attention to not cooking your brain, please. So that is about it for my scientific research today, which I thought I felt very academic today. So I hope you got something from that. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was somehow interesting to you. Um, um, And, you know, if you have any tips for staying cool in the heat, I'd love to hear them. Um, If you have any thoughts about how freaking hot you can ride you know what is the hottest temperature you've ever ridden in Uh, that's what I'm trying to say um let me know I'd love to hear um I would say I don't remember what year one of my first rag rides was my hottest one and I think I've told the story of how I thought it was so hot I thought my contacts were melting and then it turned out I had pink eye um if I haven't told that story before we can talk about it at another time but like it was brutal um that was a year when the tar and the cracks on the road melted and stuck to everyone's tire. Um, And then we were all on the side of the road, like chipping this tar off of our wheels. And it was just like, I don't know. I think maybe I did cook my brain a little bit. Um, That was a good 10 or 15 years ago. I don't remember exactly, but maybe that's why. It's because my brain cooked a little that day. But anyway, fun times. You know, I'll never forget that childhood memory. Um, So anyway, um, hope you, like I said, I hope you have a great holidays. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Now we're in the new year. Um, you can get a hold of us at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you want to get a hold of me direct, directly, you can tweet me at ragbri underscore Andrea. Actually, Andrea underscore ragbri. <laughs> I told you my brain was a little cooked. Anyway, um, have a great rest of your year. I'll squawk at you in January. We've 
come to the conclusion of another edition of the Just Go Bike Podcast. Number 47 is on ice, and it's been great each and every week as we approach Christmas and the end of the year. So we appreciate you tuning in each and every week. And uh, who's this podcast brought to you by, Mark? We've got three great sponsors that have been with us the whole time. Think Iowa City and its curious surrounding communities. Bikes to You, one of the best bike shops in, in Ragby Charters for Grinnell, Iowa. And Primal Wear, if you're looking for custom bike jerseys, shorts, or accessories, visit Primal Wear for more. Well, great. Thank you for supporting the podcast this year, and I believe all three are going to be back for next year. Another another uh, just great season on tap for us. Hopefully you're subscribing to the Just Go Bike podcast. Hit us up on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever your favorite provider and purveyor of great podcasts are. So each and every week we're, we're coming to you. So um, we haven't missed one yet. Pretty proud of that fact, 47 weeks on the books. And uh, we got a few more to just close out the year as we lead. We started this thing up right about the right announcement party of putting them out live to you. But uh, we're really, really excited to wrap up this year and look forward to, to 2018. So um, I will leave you with, um, you know, just some words of advice as we as we look forward to Christmas and the new year. Um, and you can do this on a bicycle. So the words over the river and through the woods should just not apply to Santa's sleigh. So you can do that on a bicycle, too. So just get out there and bike. again for listening let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review they really help us out a lot and help others find the show for more information check out justgobike.net the show's theme song was written produced and performed by ryan steer